0: I'm Alex Delcero, I'm Alex I'm Alex Del Delcero, Del and we have, we have yes. just Eddie, it's Eddie Sauer, Needed to France. Eric Marie, it's Mahe Drysdale, it is Sir Matthew Henson, thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Ciro, Choice, and this is another podcast, and this is 110, holy cow, we've been doing this a very long time. And... Uh, I'm really excited about this one because this guy is coming off of a national championship. Yes, you heard me say this. We've already had one national championship coach on the women's eight just five or six podcasts ago. And now I have the men's four championship head coach. And this guy, I laugh. You hear this guy's name and I poke fun a little bit. It sounds like his name is made up, like it belongs in a movie, some rowing movie, some I don't know what, but He's been doing this a long time. He's a few years older than me. He's had a lot of success at the highest possible levels. And we're gonna be talking about his path to success, his path to his journey in rowing. And then we're gonna get into setting expectations with a young program, building a young program and, and getting to a national championship level in not that many years. Spencer, thanks for being here.
1: Great to be here, thanks. For uh, for reaching out and for thinking of me and uh, yeah, excited to be a part of the conversation.
0: Well, you're wearing a tie, my man, and I feel very underdressed. It's a weird dynamic when <laughs> you're talking to somebody in a t-shirt and in and a uh, tie. Are you are you at the school right now? I
1: certainly am. Uh, part of the part of the joys of boarding school is that you never actually leave your job. You uh, you go to work during the day and then you stay on campus at night and uh, you're kind of always here and um, my office has got a got a door but it's got a window and so if I, if I didn't have a a window in my door then i would i'd be dressed down for this conversation but uh we're actually hosting families we're, we're in our family weekend um and so we've got a couple hundred families roaming campus i gotta make sure i look my best here
0: well you look, you look snazzy so here's here's i ask the same question every single time and this is how we start every podcast interview it's how old were you and where were you when you took that first rowing stroke
1: yeah it's a it's a great question um first rowing stroke would have been the fall of my freshman year in high school. Um, so that would have been, uh, what year was it? Probably, uh, the fall of 97, um, was when I went out and and got in a boat for the first time, but, um, spent my life growing up around it. So even though that was the first stroke, i have been watching rowing and around rowers and, and, and whatnot my entire life. So my father is a high school rowing coach has been forever. And, um, so a lot of my earliest memories are are going out with him to watch practice. Um, I remember getting off the bus or coming home from school when I was in, you know, second third grade, and, and hopping on the bus and going out to practice with him. And and he'd have a little tin launch, and we, be this beautiful day in the spring, we'd go out. And we'd watch the first half of practice, and usually kind of end up on the bottom of that launch. The vibration of it uh, would, would put me to sleep. I'd take a little nap during the second half of practice. Um, so those are the early memories, and and. Um, Did a bunch of different sports growing up, you know, tried a lot, uh, but in the back of my mind, kind of always were just waiting to get to high school uh so I could get in a boat and actually start doing doing that thing that I've been watching, started to do it myself. And uh, so went out that fall, freshman year, and started rowing and and never looked back.
0: All right. So your father was a crew coach. Where where was he the coach of? Who what was the was the high school?
1: Yeah, so um so he worked at Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts, for 30 odd years. So I was born and raised there. Um, he did a little coaching at other schools before that. Um, he's now coached down at uh, the Episcopal School in Jacksonville, Florida. So moved down there nine years ago to um, to find better weather and coach year-round. So he's now down there. But um, but yeah, spent my life growing up on that Andover campus, uh, a little bit north of Boston, and um, began rowing there.
0: I mean you 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 lived and breathed rowing it's wild like that is that is some of the best rowing ever and that area has some of the best rowing in the whole country I mean so you're I call you fortunate I mean you're very fortunate to be around that and and to absorb that what but when your father was in the launch with you was he ever because I'm a father, I know you're a father. Was he ever directing you to rowing, or did he keep a, a did he stay back a little bit? Did he give you a chance to develop it?
1: Yeah, he, he was awesome. He was uh, it was super hands off and always encouraged us to do to do other stuff. Um, you know, pursue those things that we were excited about, things that that we found interesting, and never pushed it. You know, always kind of made it available. You know, would would have ergs in our basement and and whatnot. Um, you know, so we'd always kind of mess around there and. You know, always invite us out to practice when we were younger to go and watch and and get to know the kids and kind of see what's going on, but never said, "Hey, you're going to row." I think he always hoped that we would, but never pushed on us. So it really was kind of our, you know, our um, our decision when that when that moment came. I think probably is at least for me, probably aided by the fact that I wasn't very good at anything else, uh, and so it was you know it was really hopeful that I would I would find something that I was that I was okay at. Um, but no, he was great. My mom was great. They said you guys do what you want to do. We're gonna support you, whatever it is. And when the time came to, to actually get into a boat, I think we, you know, we couldn't wait to do it. And um, you know, but but appreciate that he was pretty hands off. You know,
0: 1997, uh, America was was starting to find its way in the rowing scene, right? So, coaching changes, national team level type stuff. We're 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 winning world championships did that have an impact on you at all? You know, watching America develop, or were you really focused on just being good in, in the Northeast in, in New England?
1: No, I, no, I had posters on the wall. Um, yeah, that had, is
0: awesome.
1: You, U S team, you know, the eight, uh, yeah, on, on the wall. So certainly aware of it. And, and, um, you know, excited to kind of be in a country that was having such great success and, and that was, was part of it, but, you know, ultimately it felt like this was, this was kind of part of the family, you know, and, and, and rowing was definitely a, a sport that, um, you know, you sit on the dinner table, that was kind of the, the primary topic and, and whether it was in my immediate household or we went and saw my grandfather who spent 40 years, 43 years coaching at the St. Andrews school in Delaware, um, you know. Bunch of my uncles all all rode through high school and college, so no matter where I went, family wise, this was this was the thread that we all shared. And so, for as much as the the, the national international scene was certainly exciting to kind of be attentive to and follow, um, it, the, the interest really was driven by the family and kind of being around it all the time.
0: So it's man, I I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, but you know you're a father of three, I believe. Yeah. Um, Young boys, I assume, um, like is is rowing in the conversation at your dinner table? Like, is, is it, are you are you following that thread? Or are you are you less so? Yeah, no, it's I mean certainly in the conversation, um,
1: uh, you know. But I think trying to follow in my in my father's lead, not push it. Right now, my boys love football. They love basketball. They love lacrosse. know, um, yeah, they're doing kind of all the field sports. Uh, and, and, and doing a great job and having a blast doing that. So, again, you know, just trying to support them in, in those things. I'm, I'm working the chain gang uh, every Sunday in the fall for the football game. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to help where I can. And, um, you know, but as they, as they kind of get further into being, you know, being athletes and, and that career for themselves, you know, try to lean on my experience as an athlete, as a rower, as a coach that, to help them know grow in the spaces and, and and if it works out where they want to come out and get a boat sometime with me that would be awesome but uh um yeah trying to allow them to find their own way and I think my wife was a swimmer all the way through college um and uh she and I tried to encourage our oldest who's almost 12 to get in the pool a couple of winters ago and and that went sideways real quick he was not a big fan so if I learned anything it was Hands off, and uh, and they'll find their own way, and hopefully in time they'll they'll end up in a boat.
0: That's awesome. Uh, all right, so fall of '97, you start, you get a couple years, and then you go to Princeton, right? And Princeton in the early 2000s was a dominating force, right? You guys were very very fast. Um, why did you choose Princeton? Why, why why go there when you probably could have gone somewhere in further up in the Northeast where your really your home was?
1: Yeah. Uh- great mascot the Tigers right I man it's, uh, it's a pretty good mascot uh no you know I I got I had kind of the good fortune to go and visit a bunch of schools and talk to a lot of coaches and, and meet a lot of college rowers and just felt like I really connected with the coaches down there you know, Curtis Jordan and, and Greg Hughes were, were kind of running the show at the time and I, I connected well with those guys and I felt like that the team dynamic was really really good um the undergraduate focus at Princeton really struck me as as being fairly special um at that level and you know, you spend any time on Lake Carnegie, it's hard not to want to be a rower there. Uh, so the location, the set up, the facilities were all, um, you know, really attractive. And, and, you know, for as much as there were some schools that were really, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking long and hard about. They were closer to home, um, you know, heading to Jersey and, and being on that campus, you know, was, was, was a real draw, um, you know, because of the relationships that I developed with the coaches and with some of the guys on the team. Um, you know, I went down for a visit at one point in the summer, and and uh, met with Curtis. And he's like, "Hey, I got this guy. I want you to go walk around campus with." It was Paul Tate. Um, You know, so that that made a pretty big impression right away, and so that was wow. pretty fun.
0: Uh, you know, back then though, Cal was like all the talk, right? All the rave. This this you know, two thousand one time frame was Cal ever in the picture? I mean, the the, the fastest team in the in, in the whole almost the world, right? These guys were unbelievable was that ever in discussion for you like were you good enough back then to have made that program oh probably not no way
1: <laughs> no way and and it was far away you know, my mom um you know she's uh she wants to go to everything that her kids are doing so to be able to kind of drive down and see a race you know that was certainly part of the you know part of my thought process was being close enough to um you know be able to see my family, have them come see me and, and make sure that the experience I was having was was shared, you know, with with the others of my family. So um yeah, never really thought about the West Coast. Um, you know, but looked at a lot of really great East Coast schools and and the end ended up at Princeton and and, you know, wouldn't change a thing.
0: So Princeton, I think you graduated what? Oh I think do the math right, like oh five, oh four you graduated from Princeton? Oh, five, yep. yep. Oh, five. Okay. Um now let's like do the math here, right? Your grandfather was a coach. Your father was a coach, right? You know, like your uncles all wrote, everybody wrote, you go to Princeton, was your dream job to coach crew or what, like, what, where was your head at in terms of a career and where you wanted to go in 05? Yeah, um. I don't think I really
1: realized that there were other jobs out there that I could do. I mean, having grown up, <laughs> I mean, I, I, truly, I mean, I, I, I never really spent time thinking about other stuff at one point growing up. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, okay. And then did a, little, did a little work with it with a, a local practice and realized like, hey, that that's not for me. Uh, um, but uh, no, I mean, all along it was, I love life growing up on a, on a campus like Andover's and I love being around sports and, Um, so yeah, the idea of kind of being involved with, with rowing, I wasn't good enough to continue to row beyond college. Um, but I wanted to stay involved with the sport in a way that felt meaningful and and coaching was certainly going to be that, that option. And, you know, spent some time my senior year talking with, with Curtis, talking with Greg, talking with Joe Murtaugh about, about coaching and their paths and, and, uh, you know, watching what they did and the impact that they had on, on their athletes on me. I mean, it just, it, it just further fueled that excitement about being, Involved in some way, and um, you know, so that was certainly the the that was the goal. As I watched all my friends go up to New York and do interviews and, and get internships over the summer. I didn't do any of that stuff because I wanted to get involved in education and I want to get involved with coaching.
0: Holy cow! Uh, it's so funny, man. It's like I you know your environment really crafted you, and really molded you, right? Like I I, I had probably a dozen jobs between the day I graduated college and to where I am today. And it's special, right? To, to have someone to meet someone who's so driven and dedicated to that path, right? Like people, other people see that and feel that and get energized by it. So you knew right away that that was the career you wanted um, even at 22 years old. So you do you get a job at Princeton Coaching? Like what do you do next? Like when you graduate?
1: Yeah, so, so I graduated and I spent two years um, in town in Princeton, working at the Hun School of Princeton, doing some work as a, as a history teacher, um, working in the residential office, and and coaching um, for a couple of years, and kind of learning a lot about the whole world, I and mean, despite having grown up on the on these campuses, working there is different than, than living there, um, so I get got to learn a lot in that space, and over those two years, um, you know, kept Popping by the boathouse now and then, kept seeing Greg, um, you know, in town, up on Nassau, or, or going, you know, seeing him around. I just started bugging him about a job and just saying, hey, you know, when are you going to give me a call? Like when's when something open up? And, uh, you know, after, you know, after two years of being out of out of college, he called me and said, hey, there's an opportunity here. What do you think? Um, to come in and, and work with him on the, on the lightweight team as the freshman coach and um, jumped at it. And it was tricky because it, the, you know, the opportunity came late in the summer. So I was supposed to go back and, and teach and, and work at Han for my third year, and it came late in the summer. So that was, the timing wasn't ideal, but the opportunity was right. The school was supportive of me making that move. And um, it was certainly something the more I, I had thought about, the more that's, I, wanted, I wanted to try my hand in the college world. And I um, and, you know, certainly felt like no better place to do it than Princeton.
0: How long, how long were you there coaching uh, with Greg and, and those guys at Princeton?
1: So I spent seven years uh, at Princeton. We said the, the first two with the lightweight team, and then when Curtis um, retired or, or moved on to, to new things, uh, and Greg moved over, uh, you know, he he brought me along with him. So I spent a couple of years coaching the heavyweight freshmen, and then when the freshmen rowing went away, kind of moved up and and worked with the second and third eights, um, you know. But but you know, had a great partnership with Greg. Learned so much from him as an athlete, and then as a colleague I and mean, he's just he's a great mentor and, and a lot of what I do now still is you know I can hear it in the back of my head um uh but uh know yeah, I had, had a blast for those seven years and um you know certainly, you, uh, certainly certainly grew a lot uh in, in that space
0: were you like were you so most college coaches that I've talked to or just in general like they want to move up to be the head coach they they you, you were in the game for seven years at the collegiate level. Like, were there any opportunities for you to go somewhere else? Were other coaches saying, hey, Spencer, like, we'd love to have you come with us? Did you ever have the, the drive to want to be the head coach of, say, I don't, I mean, at that point, there were a lot of job openings. I mean, you could have gone to Dartmouth. You could have gone to Yale. Like, you could have, you could have gone anywhere. I mean, like, wh- where was your head in those seven years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was really committed to, to Greg and to growing the program that we were working with, you know, and, and felt like there was still a lot that I had to learn, um, you know, about, about training, about recruiting, about coaching. And I felt like I was in this great space with so many good coaches around me um, that I didn't want to give that up. One, one of the things that in my senior year, you know, in talking with some of the coaches there and talking with Joe Murtaugh and talking with Curtis, one of the things they said was never be the best coach in the boat house. You always want to be in a a place where you've got a a better coach around you, other coaches to learn from. And, um, that's never been a problem for me. I've I've never been the best coach in in any boathouse I've been in, Um, (laughs) but, but certainly felt like, yeah, you know, I'm here at Princeton. I've got, I've got Greg, I've got Marty, I've got got Lori, I've got Paul Rassam, I've got these, all these great resources around me. Um, it, it would have been really hard to leave feel like I'm not quite ready to get there yet. And I've got this great setup. Um, additionally, my wife was working at the Petty School. So we lived 10 miles from the Princeton Boathouse. She was working there and, and, and loved that place, loved that community. Um, and we just we had our first child. So we were in a really good spot personally. Um, and, and I feel like professionally, you know, I was just was in this amazing place where I was working with great kids, had a great university to kind of to to sell to these these, you know, these athletes um, and to partner with in their development and, um, and and great colleagues to learn from.
0: I love the advice. Never be the best uh, coach in the in the boathouse. Uh, that's really great. You know, I, I when I started coaching in 2010, I would call all the people that I had been influenced by uh, for advice. Were you calling your dad up for advice? Like, hey dad, you know, I got a question. I hey pop, I got a, you know, were you were you spending a lot of time like getting his advice? Cause I mean, as a dad, you're like like, oh, my son is a coach. I want to help him. I want to do everything I can. Uh was there ever that kind of relationship with him?
1: Yeah, nonstop. Nonstop. And and you know, and I was there was having rode for him in high school, you know, I, I think I had a lot of things that I just, I heard from him in practice. And, and we had this great partnership where after practice, like I would go home and, and we debrief the practice, we'd break it down and we'd talk through what we did well and we didn't do well. So I had that great relationship and in high school uh, with him and then, you know, kind of always had those conversations through college as I was growing myself. And, um, you know, and, and our relationship has, has grown in some really amazing ways because we're now, the conversations we're having as coaches together um you know are are super insightful i mean i, I learned so much from him every time we talk and um and, and, you know there's not much he hasn't seen when it comes to to rowing and coaching especially coaching the high school level um, so yeah we, yeah he was on speed dial all the time um <laughs> one, one more one more resource um, you know, but I've also got, you know, uncles that I would call. I'd reach out to my grandfather and kind of get their perspective. I also you develop a great network of, of coaches all across the league and in different spaces. And, and with all the recruiting I was doing, I was meeting a lot of high school coaches. And so I was reaching out to them with questions and how do you do this? I mean, Graham Willoughby, when he was out at, at Moran, I mean, he and I became very close. And, and I was, I was picking his brain all the time because he was doing so well out there, um, and then I've got a lot of siblings, um, and, and most of them row. And so, you know, I'm bouncing ideas off them, and I'm watching what they're doing and their own careers. I'm trying to figure out, you know, okay, up at Harvard, what are you doing? Um, you know, what and pulling ideas from them. So, yeah, I feel like I had a lot of great resources um, that I, you know, that I could I could lean into. And certainly, my father was he was always that first call though.
0: You just said your siblings. I mean, i I only had a sister. I have a sister. Um, who, who was the best rower out of, out of you guys? Like who oh. who who is the best? Yeah. So so there are nine of us. Um, nine? There's yeah. nine of you.
1: Yeah yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I told you my my dad's a rowing coach. He wanted a full eight, so we had to have that the eight oh, rowing. The
0: <laughs> you bury you buried the lead. Nine
1: nine. All right,
0: run 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 them down for me. Do they seven all nine. row? Do they all row?
1: So there were there were seven boys and two girls, or there are seven boys and two girls. Uh, the two girls tried it but then opted for for other sports they were they were way more athletic than all the boys um, and so they, they're doing other stuff but um, all seven boys rode through high school um, and through college uh, the, the the youngest my youngest sibling is a senior at the Naval academy and he rode for the first two years and then is doing some other stuff now um, with with a real focus on kind of getting going the marine route but so I guess to run through it real quick, my oldest brother um, went to the Naval Academy, was on the lightweight team there. They won the national championship in, in 2004, his senior year. Um, I went to Princeton. The next brother came to Princeton behind me, was a lightweight there um, a couple of years after me and, and, and won a lot of championship races there with, you know, and work with Greg in part. Then um, I had a sister who did a bunch of stuff, went off to Vanderbilt. Um, The next brother went to the Naval Academy and rode lightweight there. The next brother went to Harvard, was a heavyweight there. He may have, he, well, he he was one of the best for sure. Um, He's actually now Deerfield coaching with me. Um, And then I had a sister who went to Salisbury University and played field hockey and lacrosse. And I think won a national championship in lacrosse while she was there. Um, And then the two youngest ones went to the Naval Academy um, and one was was in that uh, boat over at Henley that won the King's Cup a couple of years back. And then the youngest will graduate from Navy this year. So,
0: oh my God.
1: Yeah. So, so, probably the two the two best rowers Taylor, who was right behind me, lightweight at Princeton, did a little national team work after graduating. Um, and then Parker, who was a couple behind me, went to Harvard um, and then spent a year up at Craftsbury training ahead of the 2016 Olympics. Um, didn't make the team, but it's really high level training. So um, yeah, again, I, like I said, I, I've got a great network, a lot of resources and um, oh um, when I need to work out, I got
0: a lot of people to call. All right, well, first I think that you have to do like a Washburn family eight, at the Charles or something like you, you got <laughs> that hat ha- that number one I'd pay to watch that happen uh, and like the the okay Naval Academy Princeton Harvard Salisbury like that that either either you guys were super competitive with each other and it was like crazy and I feel bad for your mom or you all got along like it, there really isn't an in between there right either you you gel as a family you all want or you're hyper competitive Wh- which one would you fall into. Uh, it, you know, it, it depends on the day.
1: Um, you know, and, and I think I think we probably covered the whole spectrum. But no, we're I feel so fortunate, truly, to to be in this family. I mean, it's it's a really really impressive group. And um, you know, I, I ride a lot of coattails, that's for sure. But uh, you know, we get along really well. And and I uh, think for having that many kids and that many different personalities, um, credit to my parents for for creating a household where we all felt valued and felt heard and felt supported and um you know, i think it made all of us want to support each other and so you know i don't i don't think i've got any bigger fans than than my siblings and they don't have a bigger fan than me so it you know it was an awesome spot to grow up and um great family to kind of be a part of and, and we're certainly i think as we get older we're even closer uh, just because we've got a lot of things to share and you know lots of lots of nieces and nephews running around and yeah. together. so it's it, it's pretty fun
0: Man, that's beautiful. I love that. All right. Well, so in 2015, let's get back to your arc here, your story arc. Yeah. You made a decision to go to Deerfield. Is that correct? So from Princeton, you went directly to Deerfield. Yeah. So what was the decision behind leaving the collegiate path and going more towards the high school junior level? Like, what what sold you on that?
1: Yeah. Now, a couple of things went into that conversation. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think chief among them was we had one son, uh, we were expecting our second. Uh, so life was just getting more complicated. And as much as I love being able to coach all year long and, and coach in the summers and, and hop on a plane and go to the UK or go to Australia and recruit, that was getting pretty tough at home um, to, to balance it all. And, you know, to be the husband I wanted to be and to be the father I wanted to be and, um, you know, and and to do the job that Need to get done, you know, to to support Greg and the team in the best way possible. So you know, there was that tension there, um, and then there's also that that kind of ever-present draw of going back, to that you know, being involved with with junior rowing and, and working at a high school. And um, loved coaching in college. Loved kind of the the elite-level athletes I got to partner with. I mean, to you know, a number of guys that I got to work with at Princeton were basically in the Olympics over the past couple of cycles. And like, how cool is that to to watch these guys and be like. I knew him when, um, I guess has been, it's been a pretty cool thing, but I also felt like, you know, some of college rowing is you get guys that are good and your goal is kind of keeping good. Um, and I was ready to do something, you know, where it was introducing the sport to kids who never been around it and, and really working from day one and helping them grow in a sport that's done so much for me. And, um, you know, so, so that was part of the motivation for me professionally was to go to a place where. I'm showing a kid a boat for the first time and, and then hoping that in a year or two or four, we can get them to a place where um, they've, they've really grown and they've, they've found a lot out about themselves in that process. Not that that wasn't happening at Princeton, but it, but it's different when they're 14 to 18 years old rather than you know 19 to, to 22.
0: I really like what you just said there. Uh, you said, uh, get in college, it's get good guys and keep them good. And in high school, it's to develop the athlete, right? Develop the human uh, and and make them good, right? So I, I appreciate that. I think anybody who's a crew coach, not everybody, but most people really enjoy that aspect of it, right? Of developing the human and making them better people. And rowing has, uh, and there, there is an unbelievable amount of amazing people in our sport, and it just keeps keeps getting better. Um, so you find su- so you, you you get some success. Now let, I want to talk about. I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about the fact that you guys won the men's four at, at junior, at junior nationals this year. And it was one of the most exciting races of the entire regatta. And I'm sure you know that. Um, my first question though, is, um, why not the eight now the eight is the flagship Now, you hear you're laughing, right? But like your boys are big. You got your four guys that won were big dudes. And I remember like seeing them and talking to them at the regatta, um, why not the eight? It, it, it's a great
1: question. And, uh, it, it, it's one that we're, we're currently wrestling with. Um, so in the lead that we race in that, the, the, league near league here, um, as a program, you decide what, what you're going to do. Are you a four school, or a eight school? And that decision needs to carry for, for five years. Um, it's just kind of part of the league structure. Um, and Deerfield has been, has been a four program for a long time now. And so when I came in, that's what we were, and you know our goal, our goal, and kind of our our drive was to be as good as we can be in that league. Um, and the program has certainly grown a lot. This is year nine for me here, and it's it's grown a lot since I've been here, and it's been been fun to see that progression. And uh, you know both, I think, in terms of of top end talent, and in, in terms of the depth of talent, and just the number of guys we have, we've reached a place where yeah you know can we still serve our kids well um you know rowing 12 fours uh it's, it's a lot of kids out in fours. so
0: um
1: so why not the eight uh because we're a force program at this point um and let, let me I, I, you, need
0: to, you, need to, you need to educate me on this like i so yeah. i i pride myself in, in in just having the obsession and love of junior rowing right yeah. and and like but i had no clue no clue that in nira in the league you had to make the decision to be a fours or an eights program so who whose decision was that when 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 was that created because that's crazy to me that's crazy to me.
1: yeah no I I think you probably have to to go back into the the long history of uh of the league here but you know and and there's probably a lot of reasons for it it's um you know traditionally it's, it's been a spring only sport at schools like this and and um you know you kind of you buy the equipment you need to be whatever program you're going to be and you, you carry that forward and so you know unlike some you know club programs where you can kind of be a little more nimble you say this year we've got this so we're going to focus on these boats or we've got more this year so we're going to be in bigger boats you know we you know these have been schools that have, have said our tradition is that we row eight so we're going to continue to do that or we're, we're a force program so um you know we you know you have traditional schedules and and you kind of carry those schedules every year with we race and there's some cup races involved and there's a lot of great tradition, uh, places like this. And, um, you know, I think Deerfield is, is, is still relatively new, uh, rowing didn't begin here till the, till the eighties. It's kind of a club program and, and turned varsity in the nineties. So we're still relatively new. And, um, the student body here is 650 kids. So it's not a huge school. And so in many ways, fours made sense for a newer program and it's still kind of getting a foothold, you know, to, to, to run that out. You know, we last, we had 60 boys and 40 girls so that the numbers have grown a lot over the past couple of years. And, um, you yeah, know, so we're, we're certainly having some conversations about what the future of Deerfield football looks like. But, uh, I, mean, I was listening to the the podcast you had with, with Mike, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, he, he made his views very clear. Yeah. You know, the, the eight's the priority and everything else is, is, uh, is just the, uh, um, it's second place. Everything that's, else right, is... that's right. That's right. So, you know, we're certainly really proud of the success that we've had in the Ford. And honestly, it's a super competitive event, great racing, um, you know, but there's always going to be that, that intrigue with the big boats. Right. And, uh, you know, so we're going to, we're going to see if that's something that, that in our future makes sense for our program.
0: There's no way to, there's no way to predict the future or go back and say, what if, but like, I'm imagining that you probably had eight boys that could have been national champions in the eight, right? Like it's, it's, it's no foregone conclusion, but if you did that well in the four, I'm sure you could have put together an eight. Does it, do you personally, would you love to race the eight and see how you do at the national stage? Or does that not bother you? Or do you even think about it?
1: Uh, No, I certainly think about it, you know, and, and um, you know, watching that eights race come down, that, that was six pretty fast crews and a whole bunch of crews in the, uh, in the B final that were, that were really fast as well. So I don't, I don't even know where we would have, would have fit into that whole equation, but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, as a competitor, you, you know, you want to be in the, in the absolute fastest field as possible. And, and, um, you know, the eights certainly are, are super competitive, but, you know, as we talk about here, um, you know, whatever, but we're going to race, whether it's a four or an eight or, or whatever it is, like, we want to make sure we do the very best that we can. And, um, you know the guys have done a great job, being being competitive um, over the past couple of years in the four, and and yeah, I think for them too, like there's there's certainly an itch there, a curiosity there around how would that transfer up to the eight, and and uh, you know, so maybe one day we get to that point. But uh,
0: well, so this is a, so you got me thinking here. So you've you've developed, you've gotten a hundred kids to be part of a very elite school, right? Let's let's it's it it is. You have an elite school, but you've done it on the back of growing it by fours, right? So everyone that I talk to says grow the sport by eights. Well, you've done it. You've grown your team by fours. Like, So what are the things that you're doing or maybe doing differently that have helped grow the team to those numbers in very small boats? Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know if I'm doing anything um, other than, than working with great kids. And I think when you have great kids, like they draw other great kids in. And, um, I mean, it's been fun. You know, so my first year, I think we probably had 30 boys on the team. Um, And, um, yeah, they'd come off of a a successful season before I got here. So they, you know, Jeff Bond had been here the year before. uh, And they they had won the New England Championship in the first four. I think they got third at the National Championship. So they'd had a great successful season. Some of those guys came back. um, You know, but I'd say ultimately, you know, it it was a pretty small group in that first year. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about about what the goals were and um, and, and all this much what I try to do is, is, is make sure the guys recognize like it's their team, it's their program. Um, and if they want to grow it, if they want to be competitive, like they need to create a culture that's going to draw others in. And I think the kids here have done a really great job of that on the boys and the girls side. Like the boathouse culture is one that I think is, um, it, it finds that balance between being really competitive. Our goals are to be really competitive at the national level, um, but also to be accessible to the kid who's never seen a boat before, never been on the water before. And I think our seniors, our upper-class students do a great job of connecting with our young kids. Part of that's the culture of, of Deerfield with so much community focus. Um, but a lot of I just, you know, I, I want our kids to own the experience. I want them to make it something that they can be really proud of. And, and I think they've done an amazing job of that.
0: I don't know if I'm, if I'm asking this correctly. So, so so, help me out here a little bit, but are so I'm wondering, are you setting the culture or are you letting them define the culture? Cause those are two different things in my opinion, right? Yeah. What are you, So, just explain that to me. Are you setting it or are they setting it?
1: Um, I, I, I think they're setting it. Um, I think I'll help, I'll offer guidance um i'll provide feedback when i when i think maybe it's appropriate but i think our 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 kids have found great success because it's theirs and this experience is theirs and um me telling them what to do how to do it what to care about how to care about it it'll only get them so far um Mm -hmm. i think i can provide a little nudge now and then a little encouragement here and there but um when they decide we want to be really good, when they decide they want a boathouse culture that includes everyone, when they decide that um, they want to create this, this kind of system of upward pressure, it becomes a really powerful thing. You know, so when we have our seniors, um, guys who have raced at the junior world championships, spending time with our brand new ninth graders, teaching them how to row on the ergs, how to use the tanks, talking about what it means to train hard. Um, like, that's way more powerful than me sitting there saying, well, here's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's that peer-to-peer interaction. So, so I'll certainly offer thoughts. And, and there are times where I'll step in and say, hey, like, let, let's think about this. But then I want, to, I want the, the kids to do it. I want them to be the leaders in how those things kind of play out. Um, but um, yeah, I, just, I, I don't think it can be me saying, here's our culture, uh, because they're the ones that have to live it out. And they're the ones that have to go back to the dorms or be in the dining hall and, and kind of live it out in those spaces too.
0: You're, I mean, you're, 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 you're coaching as if you're parenting, right? You, you, <laughs> you, you had that environment with your mom and your dad, you know, you're, you're giving that same um, environment for your three boys um, that you have at home. So like, I get it, you didn't force your oldest 12 year old to swim, you know? And you said, you, you developed, go ahead. Like, I'll, I'll be here for you. And, and you're doing the same thing um i think you're maybe maybe i'm overthinking this but i think the type of students that go to deerfield um like that's what they love right they love to own something they they they, maybe it's personality traits you know you you might not be able to do that like a coach listening might not be able to do that for some program in florida that's a young club that has 10 different kids from 10 10 different schools you know um, so maybe maybe that's part of your culture. Um, no no your... question. Yeah, no, no question.
1: But... I mean, again, like we're it, it, listen. This is, this is a place where kids have to decide to be here. They have to go through an application process. It's a it's a competitive process to to end up on campus like this. And so kids who are making the choice to go through that process, who are making the choice to be in. You know, on a campus like ours, where academically they're going to be challenged every day in all their classes, where we're going to actually ask them to do other things. We're going to, you know, they're they're not rowing year round, but they've got to go in and they've got to play water polo. They've got to run cross country. They've got to be on the hockey team. They've got to, you know, be leaders in the dorm. Um, They're learning how to juggle a lot. Um, But it's the choice they're making. I think that's a really powerful thing when they've made the choice to be here. Um, they're buying into all things that are going to come their way. And so it certainly is unique in many ways for the type of kid who ends up on a campus like ours.
0: I really, I really like that way to define the team and the environment and say, Hey, everybody, you've made the choice to be here. So now that you made the choice, let's make something out of it. Right. And let's define what that looks like. I'm, I'm, we're here. choice. We're here to like help educate the young coaches. So the the, the 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 people that tune in here, hopefully they're cherry picking the best pieces of advice. And I think out of out of this you know I've been I've been taking a lot of notes and one of the things I loved, you said never be the best in the boathouse and here it's uh as a coach and then it's here it's tell the students like you've made the choice to be here now let's define what that looks like And, and encouraging the seniors to develop with the freshmen I I could tell you in my experience at mainland the seniors hated me they and and that culture was like put them on a pedestal and everyone at the freshman boat wants to be exactly like those guys. And we want to strive to be like that. And they like, you couldn't touch them. You know, was, that was the environment that we had created. Um, so you guys win the national championship in the four. What did that do to the team and to the school when you made that accomplishment? What happened in those few weeks or now a few months? Yeah. Um, well, not much. We were on summer break, so kind
1: of happened, and kind of kind of went off to the ether. Um, no, you know, you get this you know, in some ways, um, credit to, to a lot of our past athletes here who have, in some ways, have kind of made that expectation. So you know, we had we had a group that won back won the national championship back in twenty seventeen. And then a couple more kids did it again in 2018. Um, I think the first time the boys won it was back in 2012, the girls maybe won back to back in 2014, 2015. So we've had this really cool run where um, competing at the national championship, is almost an expectation for our kids now, Um, not just to go and compete, but to compete really well. And so, you know, I think in some ways, um, you know, for the guys in the team, for the school community, it was job well done. That's, you know, we, we were hoping you would, um, not, not this kind of surprise, but like, Hey, we saw the work that these guys were doing throughout the year. Great that they went and did it. Obviously the racing was super exciting. Um, you know, the girls were down there and they did a fantastic job. So I think there was a lot of energy on campus around it, got a lot of messages from, from colleagues and from students who had watched and we're, were really excited. Um, and think you returned to campus and, you know, I think one things I like about, about the group we have here is they're not living on it. You know we we had one moment at one of our dinners uh, where the 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 kids got up and presented the the trophy to our head of school, and the school got to recognize these kids that did a great job, but they moved on. We don't spend a whole lot of time sitting here talking about it or saying like, "Hey, look what we did or this is great it It happened last year um, and and we're really proud of it, but we're on to the next thing. We're on to what's what's coming this year and and um all the many challenges that lie in front of us. Uh, and, and, and there are a lot, you know, so so I think the kids are really excited about what we can do now. And it's a new group and they got to redefine who they are. I think we're, you know, we're going to build on some of the good things from last year, but we also know it's, we got new athletes and the athletes that are returning are different now. You know, they're older, they have different experiences and we got to figure out how to kind of rebuild the team and the, and the team culture um, this year.
0: You've been doing this a long time. You've been around it since you were in second grade, falling asleep on your your dad's little uh, tin <laughs> boat thing. Uh, what keeps you motivated? Like what keeps you, um, I don't know, you're in your what? You've got to be 42, 43, oh,
1: right? No, stop. No, stop. I'm
0: 39. <laughs> oh, no, i You're right. So you're 39. So yeah, you've been doing this your entire life right? You've seen it all over. Like, so what keeps you motivated? What keeps you wanting to do this every single day and the focus and the drive and like the long practices, like what keeps you going? Yeah. Um, it's, it's the,
1: it's just working with the kids and seeing them get better. Um, and I, and I think part of what, what, what helps me is that I'm not working with the same kids all year. And so, you know, we don't have our, our fall program here, is small it's 18 20 kids it's novices it's kids who are brand new to the sport so all the experienced guys are off doing other stuff they're playing other sports they're involved in other things on campus so i don't see those guys in the fall um you know they're like they're they're and they're running across the country they're playing soccer they're playing football they're doing other things um and so i get to start my year from, from square one, you know, with kids who have hey, never wrote before and we're spending time on the ERGs or in the rowing tanks learning the stroke. I'm going back to the beginning saying, okay, here's the terminology. Here's what a catch is. Here's what it finishes. Here's the drive sequence. Here's how you carry a boat. Um, and so every year I'm kind of restarting and that's really exciting. And to see kids who, you know, maybe didn't think of themselves as athletes and then learning how to be athletically tough or mentally tough. Um, you know, the first time you go and carry a boat down to the dock, we have all 20 of them on, on the eight and they're struggling with it. And then two weeks later, it's just eight of them taking it down and they're in and they go row. And, and that's really exciting. Um, and it's really a fun thing to see. Frustrating at times. Right. I mean, you, you know, as I said, you know, we're looking forward, we're not looking back, but I do. There are moments where I'm like, it hey, wasn't that long ago that I was coaching a boat that just competed at a really high level. And now I'm, I'm talking about, you know how to carry a boat around, uh, but it's good. It's good for me to kind of go back and have to rethink the words I use and how I describe things. And it's, it's kind of a great, you know, professional development opportunity uh, to kind of to, to grow, and get in that space. And then we'll transition to the winter and do a little bit more work with the older kids in the winter time and, and going to the spring. And so I'll take what I, what I do in the fall and then and, and change gears a little bit into our training program for the winter months. But, um, you know, but in terms of what, motiv- what, what motivates me, I mean, it's, just, it's this partnership with the kids and seeing, how they grow from, you know, from one day to the next, one year to the next, and, and um, you know, we certainly have, have big ambitions in terms of results we want to achieve, but, you know, I, as I tell the guys here and, and what my father told me as I got started coaching, he said, listen, you can't get wrapped up in, in that end result. You can't simply say a good year will be if we win because you'll go to a championship race and one crew will win, But that's not the only crew that had a great regatta or a great season or a great year. So you got to learn how to define what success looks like in your program um, outside of that final result. And and listen, we've been really fortunate to have some great final results and and end the year in great ways. Um, But the motivation really comes down, you know, comes to every day watching these kids work hard and find something new about themselves they didn't realize they could do um and, and a new gear a new level like and that's pretty fun as a coach to to see them break through on an erg piece that they struggled with a month ago or take some strokes that that all of a sudden are actually connected to the water and they're moving the boat well versus just splashing around like that's really fun to me um and then we get to the spring and try to put it all together and, and see if we can produce boats that'll go fast and and compete at a high level but um you know i tend to focus on the day-to-day and and you know can we can we build good culture and can we see individuals grow in, in, in you know, positive, meaningful ways? So when, when they leave, whether they've won championships or been in the first boat or not, they leave saying, that was a really important experience for me. You
0: know, I, I don't know if I've ever talked to a program whose coach is the novice coach to start the year and the head <laughs> coach to finish the year. It's a vet, um, You laugh, but it's like, that is so unique, I think the biggest problem in junior rowing is that as a country, we do not dedicate having great coaches at the, at the novice level, right? You typically throw your 22 year old kid who's never coached in with, you know, developing your athletes, like, you know, and then I, I compare it to, to, to a child who tries basketball for the first time. Imagine if you gave a kid size shoes, five size, too big, a ball too small or too big and a net destroyed you that child is never going to play basketball again and when you row and you have a novice coach who knows zero about how to train an athlete that that's a recipe for disaster it's not going to work but then you guys have this opportunity where you have a national winning coach someone who's been doing it for 30 years of their lives developing those first couple of months, that's a, that, that I've not, I've never heard that before. And it, that's it, a very unique situation to be in.
1: I, I would love to take credit and say it's all part of the master plan, but yeah, part of necessity. Like my, you know, my assistant coaches are doing other stuff, like they're coaching soccer and cross country. And that's part of the nature of a school like this. Like you're all, you know, you're all wearing a lot of hats. And, um, you know, so, so maybe I, I get the good fortune of, of having a chance to do that. I, um and, and work with this group but i do i think i think it's great i think for them to have a chance to partner with me knowing that if they come back in the spring like i'll be coaching the upper boats and they'll be working with someone else but i think that exposure to a lot of different coaches um is really great and um and we're fortunate to have a really good staff here so um, like i said like never be the best co- coach in the boathouse like that is not the problem for me like it is easy to not be the best coach here um between uh between my assistants i've got two awesome guys that that you know, they're, they're, teach here and coach here. And, you know, they'll handle a lot of our lower boats, but, you know, they make my job really easy in the spring when, when these guys come up and Sam Morris and Caleb Corliss have, have kind of done their magic with them. And they arrive in the upper boats with me. Like I just, I just try to keep them moving in the right direction, not mess it up too much. But um, my brother's running the girls team and, and he kind of helps out in the, in the fall program as well. Um, his wife, uh, Liz, rode at Washington and, and she's here and she helps me run the fall program. So the fall group gets a lot of really good hands-on coaching from I think some, some folks that have been around the like spoke for a long time. And I think it makes a big difference, both from, from their experience, but also their development. Uh,
0: I'm, so I'm, I'm repeating this just because I want people to understand and like really hear, hear this. I like the way you've developed and okay, sure. Master plan, haha ha, necessity, right. Either way, defining success, right? and focusing your attention on building the sport with the novice that's so important you know you have these young coaches or even coaches that aren't young so focused on making the fall this crazy set gotta win the charles gotta win the hooch gotta you know whatever i think i think something to reconsider is these head coaches for the first two months of the year at the fall work with the novices your varsity is fine your varsity is okay right and you don't need nine months to develop your varsity to win some kind of race uh and you guys you guys have done that right and and yes i don't necessarily, because kids do other sports fine but it's it's what, what an interesting perspective to have your best coaches work with the novice to start the year let them fall in love with the sport so that you have a 95 retention rate percent retention rate and then develop them later in the future i love that i think that's I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start pretending I made that up. How about that?
1: <laughs> hey, it, it's <laughs> all yours. It's all yours. No, you know, and I, I think it goes back to one of the things that we as a team talk about, which is making sure every kid feels like they have a real role in the team. And they feel really valued. And, and I feel strong that if we can if we can create a program where our least experienced, youngest, weakest athlete feels like, hey, if I come in and work really hard and make life hard and difficult for the kid right above me. Then I'm doing my part. And then also that 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 push went from the kid who's just starting will eventually work its way up to the top guys. And I think that's what connects our team. And so, you know, if, if if that four wins the national championship at the end of the season, that's great for those five kids in that boat. But every kid in the roster played a part in that. And I think that's the message that we're trying to share as coaches and as athletes with each other that, hey, we all have to show up and do our part and and, the, you know, the excuse of, well, I'm new, it, it doesn't hold water. Um, you know, we, we want even the new kids to feel like, hey, just show up and work hard, whether it's doing burpees or, or doing a run or doing stairs, things that you know how to do on day one, do it really well and make, you know, create that pressure that's kind of pushing things forward. And, and I think it starts with with that novice group in the fall feeling like, hey, we are getting some really good attention. We are getting really good hands-on work. And as coaches, we're trying to set a high expectation for them, not around, Hey, produce a big ERC score by the end of the fall, or you know, we have a race. We don't do any races in the fall. Um, we it's, it's five days a week. It's non-competitive. It's about teaching the sport, you know. But the expectation we set is we want you to learn how to bring your best every day to everything you do, and whether it's in the afternoon with us in a class with a with a math teacher, you know, in the dorm with your friends in the dining hall, wherever it is, you're bringing your best to all those spaces and learning how to make that be your default setting. Um, And if we can help them learn how to do that in the fall, then we're in a great spot going towards the spring.
0: last question here, last topic. Um, I was with a team here in the Annapolis area, and we're helping them. We're helping them. My company is helping them define the culture, find success. And one of the parents asked me a question. I couldn't answer it. And it was, uh, what do you do with the kids that want to be part of the team that just want to have fun? And what do you wanna do with the kids who wanna win national championships, right? Cause they asked like, how do you define the culture? Well, the culture is, the expectation is to be at nationals and, and set that bar. There's a lot of kids that would do really well on the team but are never, ever, ever have any chance of making that top vote. So how do you manage those children, those athletes and those parents? Yeah.
1: Um. It, again, like, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, I think every program is different. Everyone's got different body water, different equipment, different time constraints that they got to work with. So in the end, it's about figuring out what works for your program. Um, I think what we try to do here is, is set a level of expectation that's not around performance. Um, it's not around what boat you make or what herb you produce. It's around um, the effort that you bring. And your level of commitment to the team, and so for kids that just want to like come and go, and isn't for them. And, and I'm pretty clear with them that hey, there are other sports that will will lie to kind of be in that casual space and be social. Um, this is a sport that that I, I don't think there's a middle ground um, or an option for you, for kids just to kind of come and, and splash around like that's not what we're what we're there for. I'm okay with kids not um, doing extra workout. Or striving to row in college, or that's okay with me. Um, but I do make it clear that if they're going to be on the team, their their behavior matters, uh, their attention matters, and their commitment to supporting their teammates matters. And you know, you can be you can work to be in the first boat, or you can be happy in the seventh boat. Like that, that's your choice. The choices that you don't have are you're there on time you're attentive to what we're doing and you're bringing your best effort to that. And you know, what, you know, what John Patton or Oscar Patton or Charles Richards guys that race to the world championships, what they can produce is different than what that ninth grader who's trying to figure out if rowings for them can produce. That's okay. Um, but they can all be attentive. They can all be focused um, and they can all bring their best effort. And um you know, one of the things that, you know, when I'm coaching, I'll, I'll often say, hey, like timing is, is really a function in my mind of focus, right? I think the, we try to have that same that same mentality. Like there, there's some things you can't control. If you're not, you know, if you're not six five, two ten, 210, like you may have limitations on the earth. So I'm not going to, we're not going to, you know, do anything, you know, the, the numbers you produce, like that that's what they are. But anyone can focus. Anyone can try to to get better with how they you know, match up in the boat. or And so you know, we to set the expectation of this is a serious program and we're going to have a lot of fun, but we're going to work really hard. And the things that we're going to expect are not a certain number, but we're going to expect that you show up on time and you're engaged in what we're doing and you're attentive. And part of that is simply you're dealing with big expensive equipment. We're on a body of water, the Connecticut River, that is tricky um, to say the least. So you can't be out here if you're not going to take care of the equipment you can't be out here if you're not going to be attentive when we're on the water, because there's very real danger, there's risk. And the, the bottom line is we got to be a really, really aware of that. So that's what, you know, I think what, you know, with parents, that's where I come back to is, is if, if they're like, Hey, he just wants to have fun. That's great. The fun can only happen if we do these things, if we kind of set these, these baselines, um, you know, around attendance, around attention and around, uh, effort. But, uh, if we do those things well, then, then we can have a lot of fun. And then I, I think I leave all of our crews with that, that message of, we wanna have fun, but it's a lot more fun to go fast than go slow. So let, let's lean into going fast.
0: Well, there you have it. Can't You can't close on a better note than that. It's a bunk <laughs> drop moment. It's better to go fast than it is to go slow. Uh, this was episode 110 can't believe it, 110 with Spencer Washburn, the head coach of Deerfield Academy, who just came off a national championship. This guy was in a launch with his father. His grandfather has been around it. He's got nine siblings. Rowing is in this man's blood and they're doing some really great things up there in the Northeast. Spencer, I had so much fun getting to know you and talking to you. I really hope you enjoyed it too. Alex, this was awesome. Love the conversation. Love what you guys are doing
1: for the sport and uh, looking forward to staying in touch
0: there it is you have it episode 110 we hope you enjoyed it we got more coming and this is going to be going all the way through the fall and into the winter continuing with the high school coaches and we really really and I really really hope and everyone here at Robert's Choice hopes that you took a little bit of knowledge from this uh podcast and uh if you want to learn more about Spencer and their team links are somewhere attached to this thanks for tuning in